Well, take your Bible, please, and uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. If you're at home today, uh, you may want to hit your share button and get some more people involved in this, but uh, the Lord put a message on my heart. I want to continue along the lines of the Holy Spirit today, and we're looking at uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 14 down to 47, but right now we're just going to read 14 to 22. This is after the 10 days wait after Jesus ascended, and uh, they were filled in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, filled with the Holy Spirit. The church began functioning, and they were applying the power, uh, starting at verse number 14. So, Peter stood up with the rest of the eleven, and he raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be made known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. And he goes on to preach his first sermon. Father, Lord, thank you for this a uh, powerful passage of Scripture. Thank you for the freedom we have, uh, the access we have to it. Bless this sermon, Lord. Anoint my lips and my mind and my heart that I may proclaim and preach the Word of God the way you want. Let it fall upon ears that want to hear and need to hear. Lord, in the process of preaching, may you be glorified. May your church be built up and edified. And we give you all glory, all thanks, all praise for everything you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen Amen and amen. Um, Entitled the message today, We Need the Holy Spirit today. And I want to proclaim and and let everybody know, those at home, we're happy to affirm our position as a Pentecostal church within the context of sound, true, tested, biblical teaching, biblical footing. Did you know, by the way, that the Assemblies of God is um, the Assembly of God uh, emphasis on higher education uh, is is working in America and all over the world in in bringing a a greater degree of of academic understanding of our belief system, Uh, meaning that our Pentecostal. Well, years ago, like 100 years ago, the, the slam against the Pentecostal church was that they're not academic enough. Uh, they're not uh, well-versed in the Bible. We can't say that anymore. Now we have four-year degrees, master's degrees, Ph.D. degrees uh, pertaining to Pentecostal doctrine and teaching. In fact, our, many of our missionaries and pastors in different parts of the world are starting Bible colleges there so that the students can go deeper into the things of God. So um, as, as we go deeper academically into the things of God... We're confirming in a greater degree the Pentecostal doctrine that we've embraced a long time ago. In other words, the deeper we go academically, the more we understand that we're on the right track. You would think that by now, if this wasn't right, someone would have discovered it with all this higher learning. But we're happy to be Pentecostal, and we are going deeper in the things of God. Um, and when I say Pentecostal, I don't mean weird or extreme or... Um, or uh, unscriptural, I mean balanced and stable and productive. I mean, we're a church that looks at Scripture and receives Scripture and applies Scripture to our lives and to our situation. So, for instance, when we read something like Isaiah 43, where the Lord says to Israel through the prophet, Do not call to mind the former things, nor ponder the things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I'll even make roadways in the wilderness 
and rivers in the desert. When we hear that scripture, we realize through the work of the Holy Spirit, that has application for us today. That God is doing a new thing today in his church. Because the church is alive. God is alive. And God is doing a new thing in his church. So today, if you think with me, as church life in America tries to resume some sense of normalcy, um, and we think back, and I've been thinking about this lately, back to March of last year, when this whole pandemic started, I and many pastors were quoting uh, 2 Chronicles 7.14, when the Lord said, "I, I will put calamity upon Israel, but if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Um, I will hear them and forgive their sin and heal their land. And I believe we're still in that, 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 that context of what is God doing? As a, as a church that's alive in the spirit, we need to be familiar with what God is doing and seeking what God is doing. And we heard a long time ago that uh, church experts, people who study church trends, uh, predicted last year, that once the pandemic settles down and life begins to get back to normal, the, the general church of America, uh, maybe of the world, I'm not sure, but at least of America, the general church at large will lose about 20% of their people. So, you know, take that across the board. So every church is going to lose about 20% of its people. Um, I think that there has been a shaking going on. There's either a shaking loose and people are leaving the churches like that, like that research said, or some people are being shaken up and getting plugged into the church and growing deeper into the church. And I have to tell you that during this time when we had our when church was closed for a while last year, if you remember, April, May, June, um, we had no church services here. It was all live stream. Then we started doing both. And uh, Wednesday night is still live stream. But I have to tell you, some, some live streams on Wednesday night are, are, to me, are very interesting. You have to picture me doing this. You know, I'm over at the office all by myself every Wednesday night. In the beginning, I was frantically trying to get everything lined up so I wouldn't have a hitch. But now I seem to do a pretty good. Thank you, James, for helping me with that. But anyway, many times I'm sitting there at 10 minutes to 7, quarter to 7, 10 minutes to 7, praying Lord God, let somebody get on live stream tonight. I prepared, but let someone get on live stream. And I've got to tell you, the one night in particular, I was so taken as I saw people log in. Five, four people, five people, ten people. I was actually almost crying when I realized people were coming to gather for fellowship on live stream. I couldn't see their faces. I could see their names if they said hello. But some people, for whatever reason, don't say hello. They just log on. So I see the number, and they could see me. And, it, and I, I'm telling you, I, I rejoiced in my spirit, and I was so happy that fellowship was happening even on live stream. So when we read these statistics, yeah, 20% of the church is probably gone. Well, but, you know, there's 80% that's strong, and that's good. So there's, there's another group of people that, that, lead, that, uh, that regarding churches at large, that relocated and moved to different parts of the country during this year. We lost four families during this year that relocated to different parts of the country. Some people uh, in the church at large have either begun to church hop and settled into another church, or else they decided they don't want to go to church, they like live stream, and they're going to stay on live stream forever and ever, amen. (laughs) And then there's some people... Uh, as in our church, we, we, did you know last year we lost, uh, eight people died last year in our church. Eight people died. So we're running, as most churches are right now, I, I said 80%. In reality, we're probably running 50 or 60% uh, of what we were running in January of last year. But I'm here to tell you, God's doing a new thing. Jesus Christ is still on the throne. He's still doing what he always did. You know, he, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and I still believe that God does not only doing a new thing, but Second Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, if we will seek him and repent and call upon his name, he will bring healing and restoration to our land, to our territory. I believe that with all my heart. 
So we have the Holy Spirit to help us navigate through these difficult waters. But I'm happy to say we're a full gospel church. We preach the full gospel. We preach salvation. We, pre- we have altar calls. We baptize people in water. We pray for the sick. We pray for marriages to be healed and mended. We pray for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And before, I, before we get into Acts chapter 2, I want to just mention a few things that the Lord put on my heart to share with you. Lessons that we learned from the pandemic. I think this will kind of set the background for the, for the word I want to share in just a few minutes. But uh, I, I realized so clearly during the whole pandemic season, the church is definitely not the building. It's people. It's always been people. It's always about people. It's always for people. It'll always be about people. And we don't need a building to continue. As much as I love this building, I do. I love the renovations. I'm happy. But after a year of this pandemic thing, I'm realizing more than ever before, and I knew it, we all knew it, but we saw it in action, the church is people. And so we, in a sense, we got back to our roots like in the early days of the church, I don't know that they went to a building. They probably met under a tree somewhere or by the riverbank or somewhere. They just met together, maybe somebody's home. But we, we began, I did, and I think most of us did, began to value every single person that we're associated with. Every life is so critically important to the work of God and the work of the church. So, number one, the church is definitely not the building. The church is the people. Then we learned that social media, whether we like it or not, is here to stay. I can't imagine now, I mean, a year ago, I I couldn't imagine me saying this, but I can't imagine not having social media as a part of our church platform. What I mean is the live streams, uh, the Zoom meetings, the emails, the Facebook, the Instagram, the websites, the YouTube page. They're all great tools for the kingdom of God. And I've been asked, you know, several times, uh, when are we going to have uh, in-house Sunday night meetings or in-house Wednesday night meetings? And I, my, my response is, well, until I feel a release from the Lord, we're going to stay as we are. But I'll tell you what, we have, we have more people online than, that, than were coming before COVID hit on Sunday night and Wednesday night. So I'm not going to disrupt that. Some people are comfortable with that. Uh, praise God. Just if it really goes down to a dwindling amount, then I'll say, you know what, let's, we'll put it on live stream, but we'll meet in church too. So social media is here to stay. A gathering together one way or another is absolutely necessary. Like I was saying on that Wednesday night when I was seeing people log into the live stream, man, it brought tears to my eyes. When I realized, when, when the Word of God says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, that's just not to... Uh, to tell us what to do. That's something that bears witness in our heart. We know that already. We we know that already. We're born for fellowship. We're born for a relationship. And so naturally the Lord would say, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because you need each other. And we saw that more than ever during this past year that uh, we have to get together either in person at church, on live stream, or meeting one-on-one, meeting in a restaurant or whatever. We've got to get together and touch people's lives physically like that. And then I realized that issues, and there were a lot of issues during this past year. Issues will never destroy a church, or should never destroy a church. I suppose they could, but we can't allow issues to destroy the work of the Lord. What I mean is this pandemic would never destroy the church. Social problems that we've seen over the year, racial problems, politics. November was a very difficult time for every church as we navigated those waters. The violence that we see on the streets, the vaccination is an issue. Wearing a mask was an issue. Um, I would encourage you to uh, read Romans 14 and 15. We've been studying it on Wednesday night. Perfect example of issues in a church. And Paul's telling the church in Rome, don't let these new believers, don't let their issues become a factor in the church because it's only about food and what days they're going to celebrate things. Why make those non-doctrinal issues an issue in the church, which they were doing? And so in the same manner, we went through a lot of issues during this whole pandemic season. But we cannot allow those issues to disrupt the work of God. They're non-doctrinal issues. 
their opinions and feelings and stuff like that. And so that can't distract us from the mission of the church. And then the last thing is we, we need to, and we did learn, to discern the times. Like what is God doing here with this? You know, if the Lord doesn't come back and we're around 10 years from now, people will still be talking about 2020, 2021, the year of the pandemic. That was like a, a, a worldwide dilemma, a worldwide problem. And, and, and what, is, what is God doing? What was God doing in that? Why did we live through this? I had COVID in December. Many of us had COVID. Why did we get COVID? What's God trying to show us? But we need to discern the times in which we live. All I know is that God is doing something. I believe God is setting the world up for the next big thing that's going to happen, which I don't know what it is, but I believe God's up to something. And I thought about this. As we get back to normal, do you, does anyone really think that the world will improve itself after a year of the pandemic? I mean, already you can't even go to a basketball game without something crazy happening. There's violence everywhere. There's people are upset everywhere. The world is, is so anxious to go back to normal. Sin and debauchery and rebellion and violence and immorality. So the world's not going to get any better after a year of the pandemic. But the church must get better. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Discern the time. The times were going to get worse and worse. But the church must get purified and holy and righteous and ready for the battle. The battles that are ahead. So I think we learned a lot from the pandemic. I could probably talk more about that. But in the midst of all of that, the Holy Spirit is working. People are still getting saved. Come on. People are still getting baptized in water. We have one on June 27th. They're still getting baptized in water. In the midst of a pandemic, people are getting baptized in water. Now people are coming out to church. We have new people coming to the church. Praise God for this. So when I read Acts chapter 2, I'm making a a comparison. If Peter and the 11 needed the Holy Spirit then, let me tell you, church, we, we definitely need the Holy Spirit now. There's no doubt about it. The world is too, forgive my vernacular, but the world is too crazy for us not to have the Holy Spirit. Not to mention there's an enemy of our soul that would like to disrupt our lives anyway. So when we get involved with the things of the world without the Holy Spirit, we could get sucked into some issue or some problem and, 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 and forfeit our salvation. So we need the Holy Spirit. So I want to go through chapter 2, verse 14 to 47, and bring out a couple of points here. The first thing we see, verse number 14, is that Peter stood up. You know, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. He stood up with the eleven. Can I ask you a question? When was the last time you stood up for God? Or you stood up for Jesus? Or you stood up for your faith? Not maybe physically, but emotionally or in your words. When did you defend your faith? In spite of, like Peter, in spite of the repercussions that could have come. He didn't know what was going to happen. He was totally outnumbered by all these Jewish people, all these Roman people. He stands up with maybe 120 people. And he starts to proclaim the things of God. But when was the last time you stood up for God? And I'm telling you, we need the Holy Spirit if we're going to stand up for God. And the pressures are great today. You can't even talk about grammar school without getting into an argument about something. There's issues everywhere. We need the Holy Spirit for wisdom, for courage, for empowerment. I think back on my life, and let me, let me clarify. I said last week... When we get saved, we have the Holy Spirit. Amen? We got that, right? John chapter 3. And later there's a second work of grace. We're filled with the Holy Spirit, the baptism. But I want to tell you, when you get saved, you have a power in you already. Let me explain to you what I mean. When Pamela got, and I told our story last week. When we got saved, you know, we were on a little trip to North Carolina. We were living in New York. We went there for a week or two, came back home. But when we got back home, guess what? We had to stand up for our faith. And I told my, we told our parents, well, we're Christians now and we're going to get married and we're going to, I'm going to go back to college. And my father looked at me like, what happened to you? And I said, well, we're serving the Lord, you know, whatever. 
And, and one of my mother and my father, they, their response was, well, that's really, and I, and I said, we have to do it within eight weeks because I want to be out by August the 1st. And it was June 1st or whatever. And uh, my, I think it was my mother. She said, all right, go talk to the priest. So I said, all right. So I called the, called the priest. And so then, then I had to get into a situation where we called Father Nino. Father Rinaldi was away. Father Nino was there. And so we meet with Father Nino. Now I have to stand up to Father Nino and say, Father Nino, I, I just want to tell you, Pam and I, we, we, we accepted Jesus. We're saved. We want to do things right. We want to get, you know, we want to get our lives together and we want to get married in a couple of weeks and, and move to North Carolina. And he's listening to our story. He's looking at me like, and he, he gave me his approval. He said, I, I believe you, and I, I, I know what you have. you have. What you have is good, he said. And so we stood up for the priest, and we stood up, and we got married, and that was good. And then I, I realized I had, a, I had to stand up to, uh, to talk with my bandmates. I was still in a band at that time. We had gigs lined up. And so I, I stayed, I kept my commitment, but I told my buddy Frank, I said, Frank, listen, I, I got to tell you, I, I received Jesus Pam and I were getting married, and we're going to be gone, so I'm quitting the band. And he looked at me like, man, what's going on? I, I had to stand up for Jesus. I, I was done with my old life, but we got to stand up for Jesus. Then I had to tell my friends. I told two of my friends in particular. Man, I, I'm getting married. I, we became Christians down in North Carolina. I'm going back to college. And my friend said, great, we have to have a bachelor party. And, and to me, that represented a certain thing. And I said, no, 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 no. I can't, I can't do a bachelor party because I'm a, I'm a new person now. I had to stand up to my friends and say, no, I, I can't do that. And they were thinking. They said, well, why don't we go to a baseball game? Can you do a baseball game? I said, yeah, I can do a baseball game. He said, okay, we'll take you to Yankee Stadium for the night. So that, that night we had hot dogs and no beer, just hot dogs and soda. I'll never forget it. And then, you know, so then I went, went to college, went, went back to North Carolina, got married. And, you know, I, my story with the dean of the college I'm a, I'm a brand spanking new Christian here. He's telling me, Rick, man, you, you, you did bad before. You flunked out and you got in trouble. And I don't know if you can make it in, in the academic setting five years later. I, and, I, and I'm sitting there all by myself. Pam was home praying for me, I think. And I'm sitting there. I, I remember big room, office, big desk, books everywhere. Intimidating. He's behind the desk like he, he's a really important person. He's saying, Rick, I don't think you can handle this based on your record. I said in my little voice, Dean Barry, I'm a Christian now. I can do this. But I had to stand up for my faith. And he looked at me, and something happened in his spirit. He said, all right, we'll give you a chance. And you know the story. I, I did well. Thank God for that. But we have to stand up for our faith. And it's, it's critical that we do that now. We're planting seeds. We're, we're, we're sowing salt around us. Then, you know, my story, five years after that, we came back home. And then I got baptized in the Holy Spirit with, you know, the evidence of tongues and all that. And, and then I had the, the anointing and the empowerment uh, when the stakes were higher. In other words, my pastor said, we would like for you to come on staff at our church as the assistant pastor. Can you quit your secular job and, and do that? Well, yeah, I could, I could do that. Yeah, I could, I could quit that job. He said, we're going to pay you a salary and pay your health benefits. I said, yeah. It was all good till I told my father. My father said, what? How are they going to pay you? Well, the church, you know, they take an offering. How many people go there? Oh, I don't know, a couple hundred people. He said, you're going to trust them to do that? I said, I said Dad, it's, it's called faith. I got to do this. He just shook his head and said, well, it's your life. But I stood up and did it. And they did their part and I did my part. And it was all good. And about, what, about seven years later after that, then there was the call to come to Massachusetts. Rick, there's a church in Webster that needs a pastor. Are you interested? Where's Webster? <laughs> Never heard of it. Webster, Mass. It's not too far away. We had to stand and say, yes, Lord, here we are. Send us. I'm just telling you, church. We need the Holy Spirit to stand up for God. And there will be opportunities in your lives to totally stand up for God in a proper way, in a good way. In a way that won't be offensive to people, unless they have a grudge against God anyway in the first place. 
But we need the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to stand up for the Lord. Here's some, here's some scriptures. Always stand in the work of the Lord. Stand fast in the Lord. Stand firm and don't submit to the slavery of sin. Be patient and stand. The righteous will stand forever. Uh, take up the whole armor of God. After you've done all, stand against the wiles of the enemy. Matthew 10, 23 says, The one who stands to the end will be saved. So can I encourage you, church, to stand for your faith and the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. There may be people in your workplace, at your school place, even at your home, even in the marketplace, even at Market Basket, there may be somebody that needs to hear and see you in action as a man or woman of God. So we need the Holy Spirit to do that. And we need the Holy Spirit today, I think, more than ever before. I said this earlier, but across the board... We see the Evangelical Church of America doing a great job. They're preaching salvation. Thousands are getting saved and baptized. It's good. It's wonderful. But I don't see the Pentecostal Church doing such things that are, like in the New Testament, turning the city upside down or shaking the city. I mean, if a church of 50,000 people, a thriving church of 50,000 people is in a city where the downtown area is poor and there's violence and there's hunger and there's all these problems. The, the Pentecostal emphasis would be, that's our mission field. And with 50,000 people, I think we could make a difference. I'm saying the, the Pentecostal church must rise up, especially in these days, to make a difference. Forget about a church of 50,000. Let's take a church of 200 like, our, like we were, a church of 200, in a city of 60,000 people in Haverhill, Mass. There are so many issues downtown, it's not even funny. But the Pentecostal church is the one that sees it as a mission field. And I want to encourage everyone to look at your life as a, as a, as a spirit-filled person, empowered by the Spirit of God. Look at your life as a means that, that God could use you to touch somebody in a powerful way. Well, let me go on to number two. Verses uh, 14 and 15, we, we see that Peter here is proclaiming. He, he proclaims things. He says, he stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and he said, Men of Judea and those who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Heed my words. These are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Then he quotes scripture. But Peter proclaimed... And uh, note here in th these two verses, he's not quoting scripture yet. He's not, uh, he's not teaching or preaching. He's just saying the right thing at the right time. His, his response to the situation is, these guys aren't drunk. We need to get to a place where we have that unction within us to call out what's wrong. Like the, the masses were saying, these people are drunk. Look at them. They're acting like fools. And Peter's saying, no, 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 no. He's proclaiming them. That's not what they're doing. We need to get to the place where we can proclaim the things of God in an unoffensive way, non-offensive way, and shed light and salt to the world around us. In other words, someone will have to say when the topic of the pandemic comes up at work or wherever, this is our wake-up call. Someone needs to proclaim that. That's all it is. It's our wake-up call. God's trying to get our attention. These social issues, these racial issues, they're ungodly. Don't you know that God has a different plan for people? These violence, the issues of violence across the nation, violence is never the answer. All this is God's way of getting our attention. Someone needs to have the wherewithal, the Spirit of God moving in them to discern the situation and proclaim, no, no, that's not that reason, it's because of this reason, in a conversational sort of a way. 1 John 1, 3 says, The things that we've seen and heard, we proclaim that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And so we proclaim these things so that other people can enter into our world, into our sphere of spirituality, and we could draw them in over common events that we're all concerned about. We need to do it with a... Um, with, with not, without a holier-than-thou attitude. We need to speak in simple terms that God is at work in the world around us. 
When we hear the news, and I, I, I'm, I'm really taken by the news these days. There's, oh, every day, there's something going on, something crazy. Uh, how many shootings have there been in the last week and a half? 17, something like that, mass shootings? It's, there's, a, there's an epidemic of shootings in our country. But when we see the hurts and feel the pain and sense the angst of people around us, we need to be able to stand up and proclaim what God is doing in the midst of the craziness. We need the Holy Spirit to do that. Let's move on. Uh, the third thing. Peter then began to share the word. You know, it wasn't just his thoughts or his opinions. It was, he did share the word. Verses 14 to 21, he's quoting from Joel. Uh, verses 25 to 28, he's quoting a psalm from David. And 34 and 35, he's quoting from David as well. And so we need to somehow uh, know the word of God well enough to bring it out in conversation. And uh, Paul does this frequently in his writings. He quotes Old Testament scripture. But the word of God is the thing that's going to really touch people's hearts. And I found over the years that sometimes quoting a scripture is really important to do. And sometimes it's not so important to quote it. It's important to say what it means. Like the Bible does say whatever. Instead of quoting it, it could be intimidating, but you have to use discernment. But the word of God is what people need to hear and understand. So when I read these scriptures like Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is, or, or all scripture is God-breathed. It's, it's God's spirit coming to life. It's living. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. I, I had this experience on Facebook a while ago where um, I would put my opinion on there. Anyone ever do that? Put your opinion on Facebook? That's what it's for, right? Put your opinion out there. Well, I, you know, some of the feedback wasn't the greatest. So I thought, well, instead of putting my opinion, I'm going to find a scripture that, that encapsulizes my, my opinion and put the scripture on there and let the word of God speak to everybody. It goes a whole lot better that way. If they think I said it, forget it. But if they think God said it, well, then something to think about. Second Timothy 2 reminds us to study the word. Study to show yourself approved by God. So that you're not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You can't just spur, you know, spout out scripture without knowing what you're talking about. Psalm 119, you know it. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Hallelujah. And we need to trust the Holy Spirit too. John 14, 26. Because we all go through this. We sit in church, you hear a sermon, you go to Bible study, you read your devotional, you do your own study time. Then you get out into the real world and something happens and you can't remember what you're supposed to say in that situation. But John 14, 26 says, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance the things that I told you. So as we start the day, can we ask the Lord, Lord, help me to remember what I need to remember to face this day. Because, you know, there's going to be situations that happen. We're going to be put on the spot or whatever. And we need to be sharp and quick and on point. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit to allow us to be in tune to the situation. So, yeah, the Word of God. Incorporate the Word of God into your life, your lifestyle. Number four, let's move on. Peter then began to preach. Verses 22 to 36. If you want to hear a good sermon, read that scripture, but not right now. Uh, his word... God's word mixed together. He was preaching. He had an objective. He was getting to the point of, of presenting Jesus as the Savior. And you need to repent and receive him. That was his point. He was explaining it, talking about it, preaching it. And um, I, I'm always amazed about the, the principle of preaching. I, I'm still taken by the, the principle of preaching. That faith comes by hearing the word, you know. And, and how will they hear unless the preacher sent sent to preach. There's something about this dynamic that God has chosen to bring forth uh, good fruit and bring forth his way. Um, it's more than a discussion. You know what I mean? It's more than a teaching. It's preaching. It's conviction. It's, it's the word. It's, it's, it's a vernacular that people understand. But Peter was preaching. Look at verse 23 and 24. He was preaching. Jesus died and was buried. He was crucified. 24, he was resurrected from the dead. Verse number 40, he's preaching, uh, be saved from this perverse generation. Verse 29, he, he says, he's, he said, men and brethren, let me speak freely to you. 
He's wide open. He's laying it out. He's, he's in, in freedom proclaiming the things of God. The result of that, 3,000 people got saved. Hallelujah. You can quote this from me. Every Christian is a preacher. And some of them are, pre- some of them are pastors. Every Christian is a preacher. Some of them are pastors. What I mean is every Christian preaches, not like this, but preaches with your lifestyle, with your responses to situations, your words at work, with family, at the marketplace, whatever, um, how you live your life. Um, I'm taken by Acts chapter 8 when we read that uh, Philip went to Samaria. Philip that I talked about last week, Philip of Acts 6 fame, was waiting on the tables. He was serving the, the ladies. And now there's persecution. And all the believers in Jerusalem are scattered all over the place. And it says Philip went down to Samaria and he began to preach the word of God. So he went from being a waiter to being a preacher. And God used him to bring revival to Samaria. Great salvations, great deliverances, great joy in that place of Samaria. And so... Um, We need to be able to preach and discuss and proclaim the things of God with our family members. Come on. With our co-workers, with our classmates, with people that we know. We need to be a witness for the Lord and spread salt uh, amongst our community the way God would want us to. And we need the Holy Spirit to do that. I'm telling you, my my testimony is, if I were to look back on my life, I, I wouldn't have done anything without the Holy Spirit. I mean, thinking of it, you know, uh, Pam and I, you know, we were dating, and uh, we loved each other, and we talked about getting married. But when we got saved, we had this unction, this compulsion to get married and do it right, do it to honor God. And, but see, that, that's the, uh, the result of salvation and, and seeking God produces good fruit in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm so convinced of it. And do we have struggles? My goodness. Yes. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. We struggle with everything. There's always issues. There's always problems that come up every day. You know, that's why we need the Holy Spirit every single day. Well, let me go on here. Verses 37 and 38, we see Peter led people. We need to lead people. You know that? I like the phrase, we need to learn how to close the deal. I mean, some people will plant, some will water or cultivate, uh, and some will close the deal and reap the harvest. Well, we can't be afraid to close the deal. But anyway, Peter was a leader. They, they came to him in verse, verse, uh, 40, uh, verse 37. After they heard Peter preach, the multitudes comes, and they say, verse uh, 37, They were cut to their heart, and they said to Peter and everybody else, What shall we do? What a great question. Peter didn't say, Well, come back next week and I'll tell you. (laughs) He led them to Jesus. What you need to do? Repent of your sin. Receive remission of your sin. Be forgiven. Get baptized in water and seek the filling of the Holy Spirit. He was, there was no, there was no back and there was no, no hesitation whatsoever. He was leading people to Jesus. We sang it earlier, Lord, lead me to the cross. Help us to lead others to the cross. That's the only place where there's real sanity in the world. It's the only place where things come together in the world. It all begins at the cross. Come on, it all begins at the cross. You heard me say it a million times. Many of us are around the cross, but God wants us on the cross. He wants us to die to ourselves and live for him. But we need to lead others to that, but we have to do it first. So be a leader under under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Let me move on. Peter then, uh, throughout this whole time, he was teaching he was, he, was, he was teaching the people. Look, look at these scriptures with me real quick. Verse number 16. These guys aren't drunk like you're assuming. This is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And he begins to quote Joel's passage. It's a teaching moment. So what can you use as a teaching moment 
in your life, in your situation, in your experiences. Verse number 32, Peter's teaching. This Jesus, God raised up. And we're all witnesses to that. You can't, you can't come against me. I saw this happen. I'm a witness of what happened. And he was teaching them. Verse 36. Well, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. This was his conclusion of the message. Let everyone know who you crucified. This is the Lord and Christ. This is the one. In verse 38 to 40, he's telling them what to do. He's teaching them, repent, get baptized in water, receive the Holy Spirit, be saved. So we have to know the word and live the word and and proclaim the word and lead people along the way. And and we will lead them along the way in in the strangest ways. But I'll guarantee you, someone's watching you at work. Your family's watching you at home. Your co-workers, your, your classmates or whatever at school, they're watching you. I, I, you know, Jason, I see Jason at the gym all the time. Half the gym knows I'm a pastor now because Jason always says, hey, Pastor Rick. <laughs> but I, I'm always careful. Anyway, I'm careful of that. I represent you. I represent the Lord. But we're teaching how to live, how to do things out in the public square. So Peter taught. We need to be teachers. The last thing is in verses 41 and 42. And I talked about this early on in the service today. But the 3,000 people continued in their faith. But Peter and the 11 continued in their ministry as well. Can I tell you something from experience? I would never have continued in ministry if it weren't for the Holy Spirit. Pam, you know. There's sometimes when you just feel totally overwhelmed totally unprepared but the Holy Spirit gives us that power that ability to continue and I'm telling you you need the Holy Spirit like I need the Holy Spirit to continue in your faith in my faith because it's too it's too tempting out there I've been going through the Psalms I got this great devotional book by George O. Wood In some of the Psalms, David just cried out to God, almost like in anger. He was depressed and worried and this and that. And how God faithfully ministered back to him, that's a work of the Holy Spirit. But if we don't have that dynamic happening, that 20% that left the church will become 40%. And that 40% will become 80% that left. Because, look... (laughs) You know, as good as a Sunday service is, and I, I love Sunday services. I do. I love them. I love them. In a way, I live for them. But I realize this is good, but tomorrow morning when you do whatever you do, this is going to be a distant memory. You need your walk with God. You need the Holy Spirit in your life tomorrow morning. And this is good. Maybe you can learn from it here. Those of you at home, listen, you need the Holy Spirit. I mean, you have Pastor Rick. I got a cell number. You could call me. But you know what? The Holy Spirit is a lot better than I am. I'll tell you right now. You know? But we, we need, if we're going to continue until Jesus comes back, we better be living in the Holy Spirit. There's too many things. Every time you turn on the news, there's an argument about something. There's bickering. There's, uh, there's opinions. Everyone's so opinionated and strongly opinionated. It's like they'll, they'll go to the death over what they believe in. We need the Holy Spirit to walk th- through these waters carefully and wisely. But I, 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 I never saw that before in Acts 2.41. They continued, or verse 40, 42, they continued. They, the 3,000 continued. But my goodness, Peter continued. The eleven continued. The leaders continued. Verse number 47 says, The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The ministry of the church continued. It's continuing today. Here, in spite of the pandemic and everything else, the ministry of the church is going forward. We're continuing. And so I want to encourage you, get on the bandwagon, church. Let's get going. We've got work to do. See all these seats? Man, by September, October, I hope, I pray to God, every seat is filled up. I do. Why not? Why not? 
I think God would want that. But we have work to do. So we need to continue. So just in summary, we need the Holy Spirit today, just like Peter did back then, to stand up for Jesus against the anti-God culture that we live in. We need the Holy Spirit today to proclaim the things of God in a way that people would understand what God is doing. We, we, are, we always say, Lord, let us be a voice. Let the church be a voice, not just the pastor, but let, let every Christian be a voice you know, at your workplace or whatever. Let, let, let your voice be heard as you proclaim the things of God in your setting. We need the Holy Spirit to share the word of God. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you, you, you're saying to yourself, I need to say something here about the word of God, and you feel tongue-tied. You feel afraid. You feel like, if I do that, they're going to think I'm weird or whatever. Can I tell you something? So what? They might think that anyway. <laughs> I mean, come on. Does it matter when, when so much is at stake? So we need, to, we need the Holy Spirit to share the word at the right time in the right place, to preach the word of God. Not only behind the pulpit, but to preach, you know, at our kitchen table. To lead others. We need the Holy Spirit to be a leader, to teach others. And we need the Holy Spirit to continue. Absolutely. So, the last scripture is John 14, 16. Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. This is before he went to the garden to pray. Before the passion started, before the cross, he said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. So can we stand on that note and let's pray? Let's pray for that helper to come and to, uh, to fortify his church. I mean, aren't you looking forward to one day sitting with the Lord and saying, Lord, what were you really up to during that pandemic? Why did that happen like that? Oh, I'm sure he's got something to say to us. But in the meantime, we've got the Holy Spirit. So every head bowed for just a moment. Every head bowed. I, I, I don't want to miss the point here is that we all need the Holy Spirit. We all have our trials and tribulations, our temptations, if you will, our failures, if you will. But can I tell you today how good it is to see people here in the church, people on live stream. It's good for people to come out of whatever they were involved with, even last week, and make time for God today. I always say that Sunday morning service is like the tithe of our week. As we give a tithe of our finances to God, we give a tithe of our week. We give Him the first day. And so I commend you for being here today, all of you. Is there anyone here today that needs salvation? Raise your hand if that's you. I need salvation. Anyone at home? Just put a comment on the, on the, in that section that you need salvation today. I'll get back to you. Is there anyone here that needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Come on. Need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes. Is anyone here struggling with something? And, and you know you're struggling with something. Something's got a grip on you. Come on. It could be an addiction of some sort. It doesn't have to be whatever. It could be anything. It could be some lifestyle trait that you just can't seem to get the victory over. You need the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray for that. Is there anyone here today that has a unique circumstance in your life, in your family, where there's conflict, there's trouble, there's confusion, maybe even anger? And you need the Holy Spirit to help you navigate through those waters. Yeah. All right, let's pray. Father, Lord God, we, we all come before you today as sinful people, sinners saved by grace. But Lord, we open up our hearts again today, and we ask you, Lord, come in afresh, Lord. Take away our sin and, and, and uh, just renew our relationship with you. Lord, we pray that you would fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit, that we could be a living witness for you in these last days in which we live. We pray, Lord, all the lessons from the, from the pandemic, that through those lessons we'll be empowered by your Spirit to be a witness for you. Lord, help us to 
have the wherewithal to, to know when, where, and how we should share our faith and possibly, hopefully, lead someone to Jesus. Give us that unction. Give us that anointing. Give us that empowerment, not to be afraid or ashamed or intimidated by the things of the world. Let us leave here today, Lord, empowered and and freshly renewed in your grace and spirit. We pray, Lord, for anyone here that's struggling in their own life with an addiction, with a sin, with a situation, with a conflict, with uh, some uncertainty, as, even as they walk out the door. We pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will lead and guide each and every one of us. So we give you thanks, we give you praise, Lord, and may we continue to navigate these waters as the church gets back together now in the summertime. We pray for your, uh, your, uh, your guidance. We pray for your uh, sustenance. We pray for your, um, your, your delivering power to be upon us. And we pray, Lord, for our community that many new people will walk through these doors hungry for the things of God because they realize nothing in the world will satisfy. Lord, let it begin with our family members that don't know you. Let it spread out to the whole community. But Lord, may, may hundreds come through these doors in the months ahead as we resume the ministry that you called us to. So thank you, Lord. We pray your blessing over our cookout. Uh, bless the food for our good health. Bless our time together. And uh, we give you all thanks and all praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Well, glory to God. If you're on live stream, if you're nearby, get in your car and come get a hot dog. God bless you, everyone. We'll see you outside in a few minutes. Make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself. Dream your dream.